So this morning we hear the parable of the talents. And interestingly, this parable uh, from the King James Version is where the word talent actually enters into the English language. If it weren't for this parable, the show America's Got Talent would need a different title. (laughs) But talent, as it is used originally in this sense, means something other than the way that we use the word talent today. Talent was actually a measure of weight, and it was weighing silver. And we believe that during Jesus' time, a talent would have been 60 pounds of silver. It would have been perhaps 20 years' worth of wages for an average laborer. And so when we hear about these servants receiving one of them five talents, one of them two talents, and one of them one talent, it is an unbelievably massive amount of treasure that each of these servants is being held, uh, handed. And interestingly, I, I believe grace actually makes a surprising appearance in this parable. The servants all receive these talents, these massive amounts of treasure. And it's a reminder that they don't originate from the servants themselves. We have a phrase that we use in some of our liturgies, and often you hear this when the offering is being given. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. In other words, everything that I have, every blessing that is in my name has an origin. Now, to be sure, we have worked for many of the things that we have, we've toiled, we've sweated, But at some point, there was a gift. Maybe it was your ability, that sort of talent that was given to you by God. Maybe it was other things. But at some point, there is an origin. And the origin is from our Creator. I think about Bach when he would write a piece of music. I believe on every single piece of music that he wrote, he wrote on it the words, Solo Deo Gloria. To God alone be glory. All things come of God, and to you we give back. And like the talents in the story, all that is entrusted to us are our abilities, our blessings. These things are all gifts, but only for a time. We're not to save them up, but we are to put these treasured things into play into use. And that brings me to say a few words this morning about stewardship. Here at St. John's, we are very blessed in that those generations that have gone before us were very generous in such a way that we have an endowment, which is a fortunate thing for a church to have. And for us to be able to do what we need to do to sustain our ministry, we are very blessed in that about half of what we need comes from our endowment. And so that means for those of us who pledge, it's kind of like every gift is matched dollar for dollar. There's grace in that. But even more importantly, I want to touch on something that was said last week by Toby Stock, the chair of our stewardship committee right now. He pointed out that studies have shown that when people give and when they give generously, there's a correlation in their lives. They experience more joy. They're happier. And perhaps surprisingly, when people give, 
their wealth increases. And Toby pointed out, we don't know exactly what the correlation is, where the causal aspect of things lie, but we do know that it happens, and I sort of believe that it points to something spiritual. When we live a life of generosity, we live with a certain disposition. I love the image that Henry Nouwen has pointed out, that when you give, you are practicing holding your hands open. It's a posture of open hands and... There's no way that you can receive unless you learn to have open hands. Breathing in and breathing out, they are related to each other. And for St. John's at this time, this is a, a critical year. This is a challenging year for every church in every place. And we have had some special and interesting challenges as we hold this space of grace while so much else is going on in our world and in our community, that we have continued to stand in a steady way. Your support of St. John's really is needed at this time. And fortunately, as we are halfway through our stewardship campaign, we are about halfway to our goal of what we need. But that means we still have quite a ways yet to go. And I want to say that if you have not pledged yet this year, if you're considering making a pledge, I want to urge every person to do so. And I know there will be some people who are thinking, well, what I have to pledge now may not be so much. But think about the open hands. And even if it is a relatively small amount, what matters to me is the participation. The number of people who lend their treasure, their talents, to make what we are able to do for God's sake possible. It strengthens the fabric of our community the more people who engage in it with generosity. And if you can give generously, this is the year to do so. Now, to get back to the parable, most of us, when we hear this, even if we've heard it many times, when we get to the end of the parable, it feels troubling to hear what happens to that third servant. At this end of the parable, we get the line, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have in abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. It is jarring for us who believe that God is kind and fair and forgiving. But the parable, it turns out, I believe, is not really about money. It's not really about accumulation of wealth. The parable, in the parable, the treasure that the talents represent is not material. It is the treasure of love and faith. A treasure that is worthless if it is not invested. If you do not invest love in faith, but in turn you look away from it, you will find that you will lose it. Love and faith are things that cannot be collected. They cannot be stored or saved up for some time in the future. They are meant to be used right now. What good, for example, would a wine collection be if you collected bottles of great wine and never opened them and nobody ever tasted those? what was inside. I think about art. Imagine 
we have so many um, museums in this town and there's such treasure being held but if art is never able to be seen what value would it be say you owned a Monet and you kept it in a closet and you never opened the door it would be worthless what good are our own talents our abilities our gifts if we never use them the third servant erroneously thinks that if he merely preserves the money for his master he has done his duty but he misunderstands what his duty really is perhaps he is like the scribes and the pharisees who have inherited this rich treasure of faith but who jealously defend their tradition rather than courageously engaging it bringing light and faith into a dark world faith is not a static thing it is not like a badge that you wear rather it is something that we are entrusted with so that we can use it actively to enrich our own lives and to enrich the lives of others and likewise love is not a static thing either love can grow but only if we risk actually using it if we risk leaning into it and indeed if we risk giving it away love is a thing where when you give it away it grows and regarding the punishment that that third servant receives when we are stingy with the love bequeathed to us we don't need god to punish us we inflict that punishment on ourselves and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth our lives here on earth are not meant to be used up carelessly or saved greedily but to be invested lovingly courageously and faithfully and even if that sometimes means imperfectly we are only here for a short time and the point of life is not about how many days that we will have but how we will use those days how we will invest them if we choose we can use our talents to spread love and to cause it to increase and to plant seeds for the kingdom amen